Hello, welcome back to FT Podcast. David here on our solo one. Um, this is released quite early, released on Saturday, um, and I'm recording it quite early as well. I just watched the episode today. Um, basically, myself and a lot of the team are a stag do in Lisbon uh, this weekend, uh, so yeah, we're not going to be in a fit state to record on Sunday as we usually would. But getting it out to you, this review, and I'm thinking the stag do. Be wanting some hungover scan when I get home, and as always, I might go to Akomi for that. FT Podcast sponsored by Akomi. Like I said, love them. They are the best place in Renfrewshire if you're wanting some Japanese food. Go get their ramen, their pokeballs. Torres was on with me for the last review. He says that he loves their chicken katsu curry. So as always, go and check out our friends at Akomi and Paisley. But this episode opens and it's a bit of a sparring session for the Mandalorians. Obviously last week we saw Din Djarin and Bo-Katan rejoin the set to which um, uh, Mando returns. And I'm loving, I love the fights we get here. I love the action we get. So many Mandalorians, they have sort of spears on the go. Um, and Din's like, right, girl, go. It's time for you to to join the fray. And he was like, here, on you go. Um, and he's going to be sparring with what we later learn in the episode is Paz Vizsla's son named Ragnar. Um, and they've decided to play a game of darts. It's it's basically like sp- <laughs> uh, space nerf guns. Um, and Grogu sort of going easy, not sure what to do for the first two hits. And then Din's like, right, on you go, like, use use the force, you know what I mean? I know what you can do, don't be afraid of doing it. And Grogu does use the force, does, goes complete Yoda and Attack of the Clones, jumps over a couple of times and shoots Ragnar three times in the chest with the training darts. Uh, so a successful first session there. Um, but it turns out that this particular sect is, is now in monster territory. Um, we saw them being attacked by the giant crocodile snapping turtle thing and we see this sort of pterodactyl come here. Sort of burned dinosaur pterodactyl looking monster and it once again attacks them. I don't know why they've stayed there after the last catastrophe um, but it attacks them and it takes um, Paz Vizsla's son Ragnar uh, captive. Immediately, the Mandalorians try to fly after it. Din's one of them. Paz Vizsla is one of them. Uh, but their jetpacks don't have enough fuel for them to fall, follow it the full way. We see that Bo-Katan is followed in her ship. And there is a beautiful shot. Uh, Carl Weathers directing this episode, as we noted last time out. A beautiful shot of the sun on this planet setting as we see the silhouette of this sort of dinosaur bird-like creature and Bo-Katan's ship um, silhouetted against it. It's a marvellous shot, really, really good. And this was, was a great-looking episode uh, from Carl Weathers here directing it. It was brilliant. But Bo comes back, basically tells him, look, here's where the lair is. This is what we need to do. Like, I think we need to get to the bottom of the tower that it's on and we'll climb it up. And Bo's coming in with a plan. She's experienced. She's led war parties before. She can re- lead a rescue party comfortably. Um, and yeah, the armorer says, yeah, on you guys, go go and do it. Grogu is told by the armorer it's too young to go with them. But we get a lovely moment after this where the armorer sort of takes Grogu in, sort of try to form a bond with themselves. Um, and this is where we get the, this, the forging beginning. So the armorer starts to forge 
Grogu's uh, new armor for him. And the sounds take Grogu back to Order 66. Now, we've seen Grogu's experience of Order 66 in flashes before this, but this is the first sort of extended look um, that we are getting at Grogu in Order 66. So we go, we see a lot of dead Jedi, a lot of live-action clone troopers. It's always great to see. We get all beautiful shots of the Jedi Temple. It's great stuff to go back to that time period. Like me and Torres were talking about us being sort of children of the prequel era. So we always get a bit of nostalgia, appreciate it when we get to go back to that time. And then we do get a, a lovely, lovely, lovely little bit of casting here. And it made me very happy because Ahmed Best comes in um, as a, a Jedi Master. Ahmed Best might be known to a lot of people and a lot of Star Wars fans as Jar Jar Binks, um, who was a very divisive figure in um, Star Wars. I think that a lot of that hate was misguidedly sent the way of Ahmed Best. He now gets his chance to sort of shine full Jedi regalia, picks up two lightsabers for the first fight scene, and he's tearing down clone troopers left, right and centre. Um, it's absolutely brilliant uh, what he gets to do here. This is a really, really great action scene. Really great lightsaber scene. Uh, the lights we're not uh, not accustomed to with the Mandalorian because obviously there's not too many Jedi around. Um, and it seems like his character's name is Kelleran Beck. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit more of him. This flashback ends with the Commandeer, uh, a Naboo cruiser um, or Starfighter. I'm not sure Torres isn't here to help me with the exact ship specifications. Um, but I've always loved the look of that ship. It is gorgeous. So you get to see them flying away and that's what brings Grogu back to reality. We see that the armourer has given him another piece of armour to wear. It's pointed out in this episode why Grogu doesn't wear a helmet yet. It's because he can't yet speak to recite the creed. Um, but the, I like this sort of familial relationship that's developing between the armourer and Grogu at this early stage. Really, really nice to see. Yeah, good stuff. And I think it's important that we start transitioning Grogu away from comic relief character. And look, at he's so cute. And I think a lot of Star Wars fans have appropriated Grogu with, okay, Grogu is here because that's what draws eyes in and that's what sells merch. But you can develop this character to be a capable fighter. I think this is the sort of first step we see of it here. Din's encouragement. We see what he can do with those training darts, taking things a bit more seriously. There is a lot of pain in Grogu's past. He's not just the cute little foundling. He is someone who has major force abilities. He is someone who is getting Mandalorian training. It'll be interesting to see how Grogu's character develops and leaves that sort of cutesy comic relief role behind somewhat. I'm not saying we need to get rid of it completely, but I would like an evolution of Grogu's character going forward. Back to the, the hunting party. So they get as high as they can and decide, okay, we need a base camp and we'll do it at morning light. And we say, all right, we need to eat. And the way that this, no one can see them without their helmet on. And we get the revelation that, they, okay, they get to go away and they need to take their helmets off or no one can see them and that's how they eat. 
And we get a lovely moment with Paz Vizlar because Bo-Katan goes to leave and he's like, no, no, you are the leader of this rescue mission. It's your honour that you get to sit by the fire and take your helmet off. And we'll speak about the running of this season. I said it last season when we reviewed Mandalorian. All roads lead back to Bo-Katan. And this has become as much Katie Sackhoff and Bo-Katan's season as it is Din Djarin's as the Mandalorian. I think this shot by the fire... Bo really thinking about what's happening here, what does she want to do, really thinking about what's going on. So after this, they, they do get to the rescue, um, they go to the nest and the revelation comes that it's Paz Vizsla's son and we see a heat signature but it turns out it's actually free baby uh, pterodactyl bird dinosaur creatures that are in the nest. We see the big the big one come, regurgitates uh, Ragnar, is disgusting. Um, but then a really great chase sequence occurs and in the end Bo and Din manage to take the creature down. I think it's Din who deals the sort of uh, de- decisive blow uh, to the creature that creature is done. End of story. Goodbye. Uh, the end. But they do get to rescue the child. And they go back to the base. Um, and the armourer says, well done to Bo-Katan. Says that rescuing a foundling is the highest uh, order or the highest honour or the, you know, the best thing that a Mandalorian can do. And says, listen, I've your your gear's damaged let me build you uh, and replace this part of your armour for you uh, to show our gratitude so Bo asks for the new signet not to be the night owl but a signet of the Mephisor and we get this interesting conversation here where Bo opens up to the armourer about seeing the Mephisor underneath the mines of Mandalore um, and the armourer sort of dodges the question, not sure whether she really believes Bo-Katan or not at this juncture. Um, sort of saying, oh, you see a lot of things. When she said, no, 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 I saw it for real. And she says, this is the way. And, uh, <laughs> and sort of uh, leaves it there. But Bo stares at that signet in the wall and the connection between... Bo and um, this Mephisor creature is very, very clear. I have been vocal and disagreed with a lot of my panellists that I do think that Bo-Katan will still turn somewhat and come into conflict with the other Mandalorians. She's sort of reaching out here. Does anyone else know about the Mephisor? Am I crazy? Am I making it up? I don't know. We'll need to see. We'll need to see how all this plays out. But it's interesting. We have another Jedi brought into the mix uh, with a Star Wars alum. Uh, on that was a really interesting bit. We've got some development of Grogu and his relationship with the rest of this, uh, of this covert. Um, who's not just Din, we need to develop the relationships with Paz Vizsla and Vizsla's son and the armourer if it's going to feel like a sort of collective going forward. I'm not sure how long, I don't think Bo stays with the covert long term anyway, but I'm not sure how long Din Djarin um, will hang about with the covert as well. It'll be interesting to see uh, how things play out 
Anyway, uh, the other thing to get to, Jeff Snyder reporting that Damon Lindelof is leaving the Star Wars project at March. Yet another director that's been announced for a Star Wars film. Um, Patty Jenkins being one of the sort of recent ones. Kevin Feige in a producer role as well. It's it's a strange thing they're doing with Star Wars movies. I, I don't know what the plan is. I would say that I am in, uh, just personally as a Star Wars fan, I know business is business and Star Wars movies are a money maker, as we saw from the sequel trilogy. I am quite happy with the TV side of things right now. Don't necessarily need to see a film at this juncture, I think. Um, having said that, it looks like the Taika project is still very much in the works. Um, so it'll be interesting to see a light Taika Waititi as a filmmaker. Um, yeah, does he miss your Star Wars? That's a question that, that will be answered, I'm sure. But thank you very much for, for listening on this little solo podcast here. We will be back. Um, don't want you to worry about it with more Mandalorian content with the guys. But until then, it is goodbye from me. And yeah, stay safe out there. Death is just a heartbeat